This podcast is brought to you by Westbury Stud. Emily Bosson on the Inside Word. Joining me on the Inside Word this week is Lisa Latter, who recently achieved a wonderful uh, goal in training 1,000 winners. Has it sunk in yet? Yeah, no, definitely it's sunk in. It took a, lot, it took a while to get there. The, sort of the last 12 months have been a bit slow, but got to get it out of the way and a bit of a relief. I was going to ask that because was it something that you were sort of hunting down and eagerly following or was it a, a nice surprise when you realised you'd got up to that number? Um, I sort of realised last year that I was getting near the number and then obviously it always, you know, to get a milestone like that, you know, it becomes a bit of a goal. Um, I saw the tweet that you posted and there was some pretty important people named in that tweet who've helped you along the way. Tell me about them. Oh, well, obviously, um, I was in partnership with Malcolm Smith when he died suddenly. And at the funeral, um, John Street was there and he, he had a couple of horses that worked with Malcolm and he said to me, look, at least if you want to have a go at training, um, Lynn and I will fully support you. And at that time, I sort of had thought that I would like to train at some stage, but not, not definitely not that soon. And um, that's how it all began. I sort of took over about sort of seven or eight horses, and it sort of all grew from there. Could you have anticipated that it would have grown the way it has? Oh, definitely not. I mean, obviously, there's, there's been a lot of people instrumental. Um, Neville McAllister races the platinum horses, um, then go racing. You know, it's a lot of very good owners that have um, been very loyal to me and stuck with me all the way through. What's the um, relationship like with them? Is it uh, sort of chatting every day or do you have a system in place where you update monthly? What What's that like? Um, I mean, go racing being a syndication, we chat, you know, probably two or three times a week and run through the horses and things like that. Um, I mean, John John just rings, he, you know, we always talk to a couple of times a week and Neville McAllister and I are very good friends and we probably talk two or three times a day. Um, I, I spoke to Stephen Marsh a, a couple of weeks ago and, and he said that um, sort of getting his head around the business side of things was really hard. What about for you going out on your own? What were the um, difficult parts about it? Oh, definitely. I think um, for someone like me who's so hands-on with the horses, I sort of, um, it, it was really hard. I mean, I took a couple of backward steps, but, you know, about a few years ago because of my always too busy with the horses, probably not um, sitting down and looking at the business side of it, whereas now I've sort of got a handy medium where I've got a, you know, pretty good business frame myself and still have the hands on the business. What about the good parts of the job? Was there something that surprised you about training in your own name? You know, it's hands on, it's being with the horses all the time, seeing them and buying the yearlings at the sales and seeing how they develop and how you pick them out and how they, you know, how, how they turn out. Tell me about the stable at the moment. Uh, how many horses have, have you got in work right now? I'm probably working about 45 at the moment, but average around 50, 
sort of 55 most of the time, obviously, but I'm quite a time all the better horses around the better. And and the uh, facilities themselves, tell me about, for people who don't know, where you're based and, and what it looks like. Um, I train at Awapone um, on the racetrack. Um, I've got a relative, you know, quite a big barn, a big 28 horse open air box barn, and then um, an older, uh, one block quite old, it's where Margaret Bull used to train, trained all her good winners out of there, and John Sargent was there after her and then me. Um, yeah, so I can house about 60, sort of 65 horses quite comfortably, and um, got the swimming floor now, I'm learning the treadmill, so it all, all works in. And um, I know you've got your own property, and are you able to get some horses there, or is it more of just a, a small lifestyle? It's a small lifestyle. I've only got 24 acres. Um, we just adjust a few horses out there, which is, you know, it's good. I've got the, um, Josh helps out a lot with that. With that. I was going to ask you about the kids. Um, are they interested in racing? And is that something you encourage or discourage? Well, um, they're definitely interested in the horses and Josh is definitely interested in the racing side. Um, he's in his last year, he's 17 in his last year at Boys High. And um, he'll hopefully head down to Otago University next year. That's what he's looking at, doing a business-type degree. And then he's done a yearling trip at Hanoi Farms this year. So he, he'll definitely end up in the industry somewhere. Mm. What um, bit of advice would you have to pass on to a young person trying to make their way in the industry? I just think you've just got to keep pushing yourself, keep, you know, you can't just sit back and think things are going to happen in this game. You've got to get out there and make them happen. I wanted to um, sort of wind the clock back and, and ask you about how you ended up in, in racing. Tell me ab- about that and and how it unfolded in your upbringing. Oh, look, I'm from a, a rodeo background, actually. Um, brought up in Balclutha, Um and I ended up um, coming up to work for Malcolm Smith when I was um, 17 years old. And um, I think mum and dad thought that I'd just come up here for sort of a year or so and then head back home, but it never did happen. <laughs> Tell me about the rodeo. What what kind of um, rodeo? I mean, mum and dad are really into it. Um, um, not so much now, but um, dad looks after the welfare of the animals and that now because he's in his 70s. But um, I used to do bow racing. So, um, yeah, so I won a national championship, I think, when I was 16 years old. Wow. Probably the youngest at the time to ever win it. So, yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you can transfer from barrel racing or rodeo into, into the horse racing? I just think it's just horsemanship skills, no matter, you know, I think when you're horsey and you've got horsemanship skills, it, it really doesn't matter what, what you, you know, what, what area you choose to work in. Mm. Um, uh, also, obviously, you came up to, to um, the racing industry and your parents thought you'd go back, but you didn't. Was it instant love for the different sort of side of the equestrian world? Yeah, it was. Look, I, yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. And I think sort of getting out of a small hometown of Balcosa and getting up to Palmerston North, which was a much bigger town, and sort of being a different aspect for horses too.
Had you ever considered uh, another career or were you pretty set that horses were going to be the future? No, always pretty set that horses were going to be my future. Mm. Yeah. And, and I wanted to get into um, some horses that have been particularly special to you over the years. I've put you on the spot. Uh, what would be your most significant win that you've had, in your opinion? Um, I really enjoyed it when Fort Lincoln won the Karaka Millions. I mean, it bought him as a yearling and then come out and won, won that big race as a two-year-old. Um, and probably authentic Paddy, um, obviously, at his age, winning the Group 1 mm. at Ellerslie. What about uh, a favourite horse? I'm hoping it's not one of those two. Is there one that sticks out over the years? Um, probably Platinum Kingdom. I mean, um, he was a very smart horse. I don't think we've ever seen the best of him. He won in Sydney and then won in Brisbane and then um, we lost him. Um, unfortunately, he was out at the pre-trainers and he ended up getting sick and died. That was probably my biggest disappointment because I think he could have been anything. Mm. What about um, horses to follow in the stable currently? Have you got one that we can watch going forward into the new season? I've got a really nice free eagle filly. She lines up at our pony on Saturday called Platinum Machine. Got a lot of time for her. She's a very, very nice filly. Well, you've ticked off the 1,000 winners off the bucket list. What's next for Lisa Ladder? What, what other goals have you got to achieve, Lisa? Um, I haven't really set myself anything at the <laughs> moment. Um, obviously, just keep training more winners. More, you know, more quality winners, which I've had a pretty lean season on that this year. Obviously, being a champion trainer, is is that something you'd like to do again, or is that something you feel that you've sort of achieved? No, not definitely not something I, you know, I haven't got aspirations to do that again. Um, yeah, I mean, been there, done that, tick that box, and sort of, I think, you change, things change, you know. Is there a group one around the world, I suppose you could say, that you'd most like to win? The Derby. The Derby, yeah. I'd love to win a Derby, yeah. <laughs> well, Lisa, thanks so much for your time. It's um, awesome to catch up with you. And a massive congrats on that 1,000th 1, winner because that's a, a really big achievement. So well done. Thanks, Emily. This podcast is brought to you by Westbury Stud. Emily Bosson on the Inside Word.